Welcome to the Branding Blueprint Podcast, where we give you the tools you need to build an unforgettable brand and walk through the chaos of building a business in real time as it happens here at Craftsman Creative. Today, we'll be talking about email. We all receive it every single day, and chances are you probably have a love-hate relationship with it. It's such an important method of communication for pretty much every business out there, but it can also be a little bit of a nuisance. Today, we'll talk about how you as a brand can release an email drip campaign that actually converts. Anna, what was the last email that you read in your inbox that wasn't from me? It was from someone in California that we are trying to close a deal with. Mm. And have they closed it yet? Or No. <laughs> All right, great. We'll talk about that later. Well... I'm really, you know, I'm really interested in this one. I was going to say passionate or excited, but really it's more so like an interest in talking about email because I know that when I talk with honestly probably the majority of our clients, there's just kind of this like grimace whenever they hear the word email. And I think it's really important for us to not just accept, you know, that initial reaction as like the core truth about how people feel about email in general. I know that I also don't love emails from brands, but I also know that I've made a lot of purchasing decisions based off of those email campaigns, whether it happens when I'm actually in the funnel of that email campaign, you know, I'm actually receiving those emails from the brand, or if it just reminds me of that brand so much so that six months from now, whenever it comes time for me to buy a whole new wardrobe, then, you know, I remember what that brand communicated to me way back when, and I go back and see if they have a promo code. I don't know if you're the same, though. I mean, I think I feel like most people would have to admit that they've made a purchasing decision based off of email. Oh, yes. Okay, so at lunch, I was looking at my two emails, my work email. I'm obsessive about checking and responding. I have one unread, which I have read, but I left it unread. And then I looked at my personal email. How many emails do you think I have in there? I honestly, this stresses me out. <laughs> okay. So I have over 42,000 no, unread emails. However, we're gonna pause right I here. was thinking about the ones that I do open, right? Hmm. So I have to wear orthopedic shoes because I have bad feet. There's this brand that emails me consistently, and I always get excited. I don't always have the money or, you know, it's not like in the budget to go buy these really nice expensive shoes that are always worth it. But I get so excited every time I open that email every single time and I'm like, they're doing it right. But I think, too, that they, they always have a hook. That subject line gets me. I know that when I click it, even if I'm not going to buy right now, I want to know what they're selling. I want to know what I need to like aspire to, you know, save up for. So I was just thinking there are brands that I will always open emails for and they're the ones that I was just trying to get a free cookie out of you know mm. I am the same way except even the ones that I just delete even that brand awareness of just seeing the subject line come through right mm -hmm. I am just more likely to end up making some sort of purchasing decision with those brands that are more front and center that are more present not just an email obviously that's just one component but it's definitely an important component for Businesses who are looking to grow and are looking to build an expanded customer base. Yeah. And also, it's important for businesses to consider 
how they're using the contacts that they're able to generate in all their other forms of marketing. You know, if you have a really effective website that is able to capture people's email addresses and then you hit them with a quarterly newsletter, that's great and honestly probably better than most. But how do you be go from just being good to being great at email? And I really think that it comes down to constant creation of content and not overthinking it, keeping things simple, short, to the point, really paying attention to, I know we talked about a couple of episodes ago, storytelling, and really focusing on making the customer the hero mm -hmm. with each of the emails that you're developing. And so that's why we've really pushed it this year for our clients. You know, somebody comes to me and says, I want to grow my business by 30% this year. And I look across the table from them and I have a number of different ideas, but one of them at the in the top five of that list is what is your email strategy? And almost always I'm kind of looked at from across the table or from across a Zoom meeting and that person's like, what are you talking about email? I thought you were going to pitch some, you know, really expensive creative endeavor when in reality I'm pushing something that's much more in the weeds, you know, isn't necessarily perceived to be that sexy creative execution that a lot of people come to us for. And that's because I'm focused on effectiveness. And I want for them to hit their financial targets because that's what keeps all of us in business at the end of the day. So we've really worked hard to try to develop a formula. I thought it might be beneficial to walk through it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. You know, I do open several emails. I just don't open all of them. Even the ones that I don't open... I'm like, oh, yeah, swimsuit season is soon. I'm not going to open that one just yet, you know. But, but we do recommend it to our clients, and we have seen success with that. So I'm excited to dig into the art of a drip campaign. Yeah. What would be the, the first step? Yeah, I think first and foremost, if I could kind of describe what I would recommend for an email campaign to a business, it's really kind of like two pillars. The first one is a drip campaign, like you mentioned, could easily be described as what are the emails that you send to somebody as soon as you capture their email address or as soon as they take a specific action, whether that be on your website or in a different marketing channel. That's the first kind of bucket, and we'll talk about that at length. And then the second, I just want to make sure I don't forget about it, is that ongoing email cadence that you really need to establish as a brand. How are you communicating with people on a regular basis, even when they're not entering your funnel? How are you nurturing that relationship with those people such that you continually add value and, you know, never really kind of run the risk of, you know, losing that front and centeredness that we're really striving for? So like the shoe company that I will never break up with. <laughs> like the shoe company that you would never break up with is a perfect example and maybe I should sign up for that because my feet hurt today. Oh, I got I got your, yeah. These nurture campaign emails that you received are making a real difference here on this podcast. And this wasn't planned either. And honestly, send me that. I will. That wreck. Let's talk about a drip campaign in particular. So we have really tried to establish five emails just to make it really easy. I usually like things in threes, but three emails I don't think quite does this justice. <laughs> so let's go with five. And for anybody listening out there, I would encourage you to either write this down or whenever you get back to your desk, just take these five different subjects and, and try to develop these. Don't overthink it. Give yourself two hours. Maybe delegate it to a team member 
and say, hey, I want to try this. And here are the five emails that I would recommend that you start with. The first one would be the delivery of an asset. So what I mean by that is on your website, it's really important that you don't just have a single call to action. Call us or schedule a call or buy now. That's, a, that's really important to have. That's a primary call to action. But sometimes people aren't ready. You know, you might not be ready to buy your orthopedic shoes. And so how do I make sure that I capture those warm leads in addition to hot leads? Hot leads are ready to make a purchase today. And how do you convince them to do that? That's more so a website question. How do you actually nurture, how do you capture somebody such that you can nurture them, that you're given permission to nurture them over time? And I would recommend that you try to have an asset on your website. We call it a lead generator that you can encourage people to download. Or maybe it's a video series where you give people three steps that are really helpful. Or maybe it's a quiz that somebody can take to you know, calculate whether or not they are in the market for your product. Or maybe it's a calculator for a mortgage or how much your house is worth or whatever it might be. Give something of value and ask for an email address in return and make that really, really easy. Once you've done that, you should have a really easy system set up. You can pretty much use any CRM such that you deliver that asset to them not only in the moment on the website, but also deliver it to them via email right after that too. I think that that's one thing that you and I have talked a lot about is the you know delivery of things more than just one time. You know that repetition? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're kind of talking about it with the shoe company that you're mentioning. It has to happen over and over and over again. And I think a lot of times we get, as marketers, we kind of just get focused on How do we make sure that we don't duplicate things? And really, that's just you at your desk with your team saying, like, this feels boring to me, when in reality, it's somebody's first time interacting with your brand. So go for it. Do it twice, because it's going to take at least that probably more like seven to 10 touches before they actually do anything, even for that delivery of an asset. Mm -hmm. So what would you do next? Well, Anna, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Email number two for us usually is, Presenting a problem that you know that your customer is facing and then talking about a solution to that problem. That, could, that sounds like it could take a really long time to kind of, you know, dive into all the problems that your customer is facing. Well, how about you just identify one problem that you know all of your customers or at least the majority of your customers are facing? For us at Craftsman, we know that it feels impossible for people to build a brand that they can feel proud of that actually has business results tied to it. See how simple that was? It was just easy for me to just say this. I know that most of the people listening to this podcast have that issue. Mm -hmm. And so we're the ones who solve that problem. Well, what's that for your product? And what, how do you have a plan or a solution, a one, two, three step plan that takes people to the solution to that problem? What do you think Something that I feel like I've had a lot of conversations about is, you know, especially for like the problem plus solution type model is like a subject line. Mm. Like what really makes somebody go, oh, there is a problem in there with a solution? Yeah, I think it's a really great question. Subject lines are definitely deprioritized in this particular conversation often. I like to consider subject lines that feel highly conversational. I also really love to test subject lines over time, just like you've probably heard of the term A-B testing in, you know, sponsored or paid social media. The same thing goes for subject lines. 
Try changing things up and see what works best. And also don't be afraid of length. A lot of people are, you know, they're like, is that properly capitalized or is there the right punctuation or should I use an emoji or should I not? Honestly, don't overthink it and just capture my attention by writing something that speaks to my problem, right? Kind of go back to what's the strategy with messaging that we've kind of been talking about with storytelling and then really think about how do I just put that in a subject line and then try it. And if you fail, try again. And if you fail, try again until you find that thing that works. That's how I usually approach subject lines. You could do one of two things. If you're trying to do this yourself, go on ChatGPT right now and put in, write me five subject lines for this particular email that I'm trying to write. And it will give you something that's usable. Mm -hmm. And if it, and if you don't want to do that or can't even find the time to do that, which honestly is a lot of people, and that even overwhelms you because you're like, I don't even know which one to choose. That's where an outside advisor really comes into play. And that's really why people outsource their marketing to us mm -hmm. is because we do this every day. We have the bandwidth to test it. We, are, we know what to look for whenever you are testing it. So that's what I would say. Okay, cool. There was one time where somebody used a really obscure Taylor Swift song lyric in an email subject line, and I opened that so fast. You have not stopped talking about Taylor Swift all day. <laughs> we know you're going to a concert on Friday. We get it. You want PTO. We get it. <laughs> that 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 spoke to me. <laughs> yeah, totally. The subject line is really important. So email number three, I'll let you take this one in particular, just knowing that you speak with customers all the time. And a lot of times you use this as a tool, not just in emails, but in sales conversations. But what would email number three be? Yeah, I think, you know, a case study is, you know, it's huge because especially if you can put yourself in the shoes of these people that have been successful that maybe they had the same problem that you had. And I think it needs to be to the point, just with all things. Emails need to be to the point, not too long. But I think that hearing from someone that had a similar or same struggle as you and had a solution, I feel like that's just huge. So I try to keep as many stories in my back pocket, and you can do that with email just as well. I agree. I think one thing that I've seen work and convert the most is whenever we get to this third step. Whenever you've sent three emails and this third one actually starts to showcase that story component of it, where you can actually picture yourself in the shoes of somebody else who had, oh my gosh, they have the same problem that I do. And wait, or maybe they had the problem and now they don't anymore. That's really helpful, especially when it comes to big purchasing decisions or even small ones, right? Like I'm trying to think of the last time that I saw this. I saw there was a, it was like a, like a fire pit company or something. And they had sent me, I mean, countless emails, kudos to them. And I had kept an eye on it, kept an eye on it. And I was kind of debating between two different companies. And I'm like, when my birthday rolls around, you know, trying to give myself permission. <laughs> Who's going to send you the email with the birthday <laughs> discount? <laughs> I'm like forwarding it to Kim. It's just like, you know, whenever you get around to it. And they showcase a family. And they showed that family like taking a trip together, right? Their core product is not the RV that they were transporting themselves in or the, you know, the storage containers that they kept their s'mores stuff in or whatever. It was the fire pit. But they told me the story that wasn't even really about the fire pit. It was just about my problem. 
and they know because they've done their research on me that my problem is finding the time to spend really quality time with my family on the go or creating that space. And I saw that and I was like, okay, screw it. I'm just going to buy it instead of waiting for a birthday. Yeah, they really painted that picture for yeah. you. Yeah, and that is so helpful for not just me in that situation, but for everybody listening out there, that's what your customer wants. They want for you to tell that story. And I would really challenge people to think, you might be like, my product's too boring for that. I'm not a fire pit company. Well, a fire pit on the surface is actually not that cool of a product. <laughs> in reality, it's actually just a stainless steel barrel or a metal barrel with logs in it you set on fire. That sounds pretty cool to me, not going to lie. But your product definitely has intrigue to your target customer. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in business. Mm -hmm. So think about what that testimonial or that case study is and, and tell that story. Okay. Okay. So tell me about the next type of email. This is one that normally trips people up. Yeah. This one, we kind of refer to it as the paradigm shift. So by this point, you've kind of gotten people's attention probably. They probably read like one of your emails. Maybe they didn't give it very much attention. Maybe they haven't read any of them. But if they signed up for and gave you your email address, they probably are going to give you at least, you know, three to five seconds, at least once out of the last three emails, if not all of them. And what I like to think of this one is, is you used to think about this one way have you considered thinking about it another way? For example, whenever we're using the fire pit example, you may have thought that in order to take advantage of a fire pit, you have to fly to a different state and rent an RV and go out to some remote location and then create the fire pit. Well, guess what? You can actually do it in your backyard and have a really similar experience. It's kind of, once again, placing your feet in somebody else's shoes and saying, hey, like, I used to be there too. And like, the reason I started this business was because I realized that it doesn't actually have to be that way anymore. A lot of times that can kind of create that connection mm -hmm. with people to where they're like, oh, wait, you actually kind of do understand me. Okay, you have my attention. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we kind of wait a little bit longer because it allows for you to establish some sort of authority and rapport such that people might actually listen to you on that one. Okay, so this last one. It's my favorite because I live for this in sales, mm -hmm. overcoming an objection. So one thing, I know this is an email, but in a sales call, if somebody doesn't have objections for me, I'm like, I'm not going to get that. Mm. But when they have objections, I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I'm in. Let's do this. So I guess tell me what that looks like in an email. Yeah. For the last one, for overcoming an objection. Really, that one is a little bit more, you know, straightforward and to the point, right? You've kind of made it to the end of this particular type of drip campaign. And trust me, there's a lot more strategy in email besides just these five emails. But I want to make it really tangible for people who aren't already doing this. Whenever you're overcoming an objection, it's important to do your research to know what is that primary objection that people would actually, you know, give you if you were talking to them in person. You know, for, uh, you know, for, you know, the fire pit company, for example. Well, that's kind of, that seems like a lot of work to, you know, set up a fire pit and then take it down. And yeah, well, if you overcome that objection, actually, it's as easy as taking these two steps and it's really easy to clean up. You just take this out and dump it and you're good to go. By the way, like this thing doesn't rust because of X, Y, or Z. You have already identified what those objections are and you simply keyword, simply tell them how that objection is actually not something they need to worry about. Overcome the objection and say, 
we've already thought about that and we solve for it in our almost almost always that can be a place where if if you don't earn the sale right then you've at least at the least actually gotten them to consider your services for the future and that is where that nurture campaign comes in i think without that you are going to really struggle to convert at scale but with it i really believe that email in 2023 and beyond will transform your business and your revenue i i totally believe that and i've seen it happen so that's the five steps those are the five steps that i would take if you're looking to dabble in email yeah, well, now I'm going to, when we're done here, I got to run over to the fire pit company that's a few <laughs> blocks down from us. And I'm going to go get my orthopedic shoes. Oh, I was going to say, I'm going to try to sell them some email. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you could do that too, actually. And I'll still buy my orthopedic shoes. Link. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the Branding Blueprint Podcast. We're so thankful that you would take the time to listen. And we hope that this has added some tangible value for you. You know, it's our goal to always make sure that we're giving to those small to medium-sized businesses all around the country that take the time to learn from craftsmen, to get to know craftsmen, and hopefully eventually one day partner with craftsmen. If you want to follow along, we'd encourage you to subscribe, leave a review, or follow along with us on social at craftsman.creative on Instagram, or just search for Craftsman Creative on LinkedIn. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.